page uh, 88, Peches, chapter 50, I am Bayes, volume 1. It's the second chapter in the 13th discourse. V'ati Yisrael, of Ekev. And the previous chapter he's discussing now, he's comparing um, basically Erpnimi and Ermakif. In their root, Erpnimi is the ten hidden spheres as God envisioned and allocated within himself the structure of existence, which would later become, from there would be rooted the Kav, which would later, later not in time, conceptually become the energies that enter in the containers. Mamalakalalman, it fills the universe, permeates, we call it the immanent energy. And Ermakif, the transcendent energy which is rooted in the uh, the energy that is before the ten hidden spheres, before Shir Atzmi before he envisioned, like Kaidim Aleis Haratzin. And as we'll learn later, that's where there's infinite spheres. And uh, the distinction between these two is that one is based on a structure and gradations of Milo Mata, higher and lower, and every level has its measure, degree of energy. And but both from the perspective of the containers and the perspective of the energy, and the makif radiates everywhere equally, without those distinctions. So in the previous chapter, he said, "This is what we say in davening when we speak about the serafim before Shema. We say, Kodesh, Kodesh, Hashem is that God who fills the entire universe, even the makif, as he says from Tanya, also fills the universe. He's Kodesh, he's separate and apart from." The dimension that's the reflection of the divine that manifests bepnimius internally within loikala aritzkvede, where there are distinctions, and the srafim are in awe of this wondrous so-called distance. That all this is a reflection, and they want to be consumed and subsumed in the source. <clears throat> so on this level, this is what Shlomo Melech said. King Solomon said that the heaven and heavens cannot contain me. Because is beyond structure. And therefore cannot contain as an apnimistic and internal way. Okay. And then explain the difference between Ratzin and the Kaychis, which means desire and faculties. Whereas the faculties, each faculty fits into a particular container. And each faculty has its own identity meaning it's like an instrument of the soul, but not a reflection of the soul itself. It's only an aspect of the soul's expression. Ruts and desire, on the other hand, is the soul's complete expression, meaning it has nothing of its own. So it's like the reflection, we said, gili mina etzem, of the energy that just reflects the source and is not uh, a particular instrument. And therefore, um, Ratzin is, an, is when, when the faculties function, what they produce remains. The ideas or the feelings, they remains. Whereas with desire, nothing remains. There's no desire, there's nothing left. Here, the faculty, no longer, you're invested in this faculty, but whatever it produced, it produced. What the desire produced was only a desire. The desire was for a particular faculty to do something, that again is a product of the faculty, not of the desire. And then in the conclusion of the chapter, he brought it back, how it is in the divine. And divine... Um, and 
And one more thing I should add is that uh, well, in divine, yes, in divine, when we talk about the God's desire, so God's desire is what creates, and therefore, as it creates, if that's gone, everything is gone. Whereas, if the erpnimi, the internal energy, um, leaves, there you have only a helam, a concealment. You don't have the entity itself disappears. Which is an example of what he said, that the faculties, what they produce, whether it's intelligence or a feeling, that remains. Desire, on the other hand, because all it is is really just an expression of the essence. So as soon as it's not there, nothing else remains. Not the desire remains, and not whatever it produced. And then he explained that based on that, we have a deeper understanding of the bitl of the worlds. What is the bitl of the worlds? So, essentially... If the worlds were created by an energy that is so-called commensurate to them, and relative to them, and that was not a reflection of the divine, that was the divine, God forbid, a type of uh, form of pantheism, type of mamalakalama, so then they're not completely bottled, they're not completely um, nothingness, they're not completely nullified in the presence of this energy, because this energy recognizes them. Just like, for example, the faculty of Seichel, cannot negate the product that it produces, which is intelligence. So intelligence remains even when the, it's the instrument that brought it into being is no longer there. So the idea remains, the feeling remains. However, since the worlds come from a place in the divine, that what is manifest in the worlds in, in, pers- in an internalized way is only a reflection. They say, it's only a ziv, it's only a ha'ara, a reflection. And the real essence is beyond... And that's where it comes from, that desire. So compared to that, the world has no, is completely nullified. Because if the desire goes away one second, nothing exists. It's not in any way proportionate. That's one point. And then he added, finally, the last point in the chapter was, another place explains that this, the, 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 this idea in different words. Our energy cannot reveal the essence of the divine Two, in two ways. Energy, er, reveals that the divine has the power to reveal things. But the, 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 the divine has no source of its own. Only is revealed through the creation of, of the yesh. As he says in Tanya, when you look at the physical yesh, and you see we feel we don't have a source. Where does that come from? It comes from the essence that doesn't feel that, that it has no source. Er cannot reveal that, because er reveals its source. Air is completely bottled to its source. When you look at energy and light, it's telling you I have a source. So it doesn't tell us about what kind of source this is like. All, all it can tell you is that this source emanates energy. The yesh, because it feels that it has no source, that, that reveals to us that the etzim divine, the essence, that the essence has no source. That's one thing that it says. And then there's another thing that it says. Atzmus is also built to Mitzis Nimtza. Which means he's not defined by any type of definition of what we call existence. Ur cannot reveal that. Ur reveals that God is in existence. Because Ur itself is in existence. Ur is a powerful form of existence, a powerful form of expression. So it reveals that the essence is the source of it. Whereas the Yesh, because, because it has no existence of its own, meaning it has no value of its own, therefore, it is even when it exists, it's a very tenuous existence because the whole existence is based on that desire. And as such, it reveals that element of the divine that's built in Mitzvah Nimtzah. 
And even though you can say energy is also desired, meaning it also is chosen, but the form of its expression is such that it reveals. So it has, so to speak, the intensity and the truth of godliness. This world has no value of its own. Its only value of its own is it's in its own eyes. Oyer has value because it's an expression of, of, of godliness. It's a godly expression. It has a lot of value. Not because of its own ego, because of, but, but because it's a messenger, an agent of the divine. The yesh has no reflection of the divine. All it is is, an, is a yesh that feels that it's a whole somebody. When in truth, its whole dependence is on the desire. So such, it's a form of metzias built in metzias nimtza. That's what he concluded. That was the second thing. So now we continue on in this discussion. As I said, the difference between desire and the faculties explaining transcendent and imminent energy. Chapter Nun, 50, page 88. V'zeo shaharotzen e'en above b'chinesis lapshes b'kelim and this is the, th- the meaning, or the, the, the this is what the, the, the significance of the zero. And this is the how would I translate? And this is what we see that and the desire does not come in does not manifest in containers. Which means there's no particular. Container, distinct and particular container in the in the organs of the body, where the rotsen manifests. Say, where is the intelligence manifests in the brain, in the mind, is in the brain. Emotions in the heart. The power to see in the eyes, the power to hear in the ears, etc. Where does rotsen desire manifest? Rest. There's no particular place. Like the rest of the faculties, like all the faculties, each of them have their particular containers, the space where they occupy, like the energy of intelligence. The matter, the mass of the mind, matter of the brain, stuff of the brain, is a container to the energy of intelligence. That is graspable, that is contained, and manifest there, in there. Like we learned earlier, chapter 2. On the other hand, the desire does not have a particular container. So this is continuation of what he was discussing earlier. So we have now another distinction. He said before about desire that that it does not um, desire does not when the, once the desire is gone, once the soul no longer desires something, desire completely disappears. Nothing is left of it. Whereas, because the desire, all it is is a reflection of the source, like sunlight. Sunlight is not a good example because sunlight is an example for the energy that manif- that has a purpose. But point being, no li- no source, no light. The faculties they cease to be functioning, but what they produced remains. The idea that a seichel, that intelligence produced, remains, and you can easily retrieve it in your memory. And definitely, a student or something you put in writing is forever. The idea. Same thing with a feeling, ha-tova. You do somebody a favor, the favor remains. The emotional, the, the emotion of it remains even after that. Faculty is no longer 
right now consciously functioning. That was one distinction. Now he's continuing, and that's the reason that this is why Rots and Desire does not have a container, because it's a transcendent energy. It's completely different quality than the other faculties. So it doesn't have a container. Now he continues, Varaya, and he's bringing our proof. I mentioned this in the last class. What's the proof? Because Rots and Desire affects all the organs, even the most external extremities immediately without any lapse of time like when he rises in his desire to move his leg or to, or to extend his arm it happens immediately See, he begins the ragle, then yad. Why? Because regal is a more extreme, more distant from the most extreme part of the person. So he starts with the most extreme. Now, if now if desire had a particular container where it where it, where it rested, which means not just that it had a particular place where it was. It meant that it was manifest there. Then, in other words, it was in a very internalized way, manifest there. You have to say that it would take some time, maybe a split second, but some time, for it to affect the rest of the organs, and the faculties. I'll explain this soon. Let's see how what he says here. Like the seichel, like intelligence, that also is transmitted and extends into all the faculties. See, he reverses the order. Because here, there is a difference. Because Yad is closer to the mind. Like when it extends, the, the intelligence mind extends also to the movement in the arm, and the power to walk in the leg. The legs. Because it's a faculty that manifests in a form of meaning that it is contained and is internalized in its particular form of manifestation. So also its effect is in the form of islapsus. Means it takes, it manifests within. It's not just hovering above. Therefore, you must say, compels us to say that it takes time for it to impact the rest of the body, the rest of the parts of the person. Close that door. Both from the perspective of the intelligence itself, and requires some some time, some lapse of time. In other words, the mind has to prepare and the vision has to uh, plan, strategize. How and what form will will it will it um, extend? Will it transmit its intelligence into the organ and the particular faculty? And 
and also the individual faculty where where the intelligence is is extended transmits into also needs a preparation to receive this in the the reflection of this intelligence. Being because it's coming into it in an internal way. Therefore, you must say that it has to have a preparation, that it should be a prepared, be, be prepared to be a container to receive. I want to read the whole thing before I elaborate, because obviously there's a few big questions here. Where do we see this? I mean, when someone desires, let's say, to move your leg, good, okay, split second. And and when and, and when the mind is saying, let's say, I mean, is he saying, for example, let's say you train yourself how to dance? So it's not just a desire to move your leg. The, the seichel is training, it goes for training to dancing lessons, or training how to use your arms in a particular way, not just to move it. That's a desire. We're talking about the seichel. Because he's not talking here it's seemingly the seichel as central nervous system. Meaning that the seichel is sending a message to the hand. Because that, of course the desire tells the mind, make my hand should move. That's still a desire thing, even though it's going through the nerves. We'll have to see what he means exactly. Here apparently he's speaking that it's the seichel in the arm, like how to write. So you see it takes time. You can't just sit down and start writing. You think what you have to say. Like he says, from the from the seichel point of view, what exact letters you're going to use, or you draw exactly how your fingers are going to draw, and then from the perspective of the fingers or the container, there's also a preparation, meaning they have to be trained as well, whether it's training technique, how to use the fingers, and so on and so forth. It's apparently, that's what he's talking. That, of course, takes time. But I want to see what he says actually when we read it all the way to the end, because it may be a little different. Because it's still, if, if it's going through the nerves of, uh, of, the, of the mind, does that mean that it takes some time because of the nerves? So then, even though the desire does not rest somewhere, but it does travel through those nerves. Because what's telling the, the body to move? So these are some questions I'm having while reading this. But I'd rather read it to the end, and then let's uh, do the analysis. We spoke about this somewhat yesterday. So for who inyan ha'ufen of alimut shasecha malamed es akayecha holy is clearly kabul erasecha. This is the ufen. Ufen comes from the word like education, alimut and the training or training, and limut. Aluf sometimes means aluf. Aluf bina means like it teaches bina. Shasecha malamed es The mind is educating, is training. The faculty, that particular faculty, is clearly kabul erasechel to be a container to receive this the air, the energy from the sechel. Yeah, this is the example he's using. Like, let's take the art of the 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 malachas atzir. How would you translate malachas? Atzir is art. Chush would be chushatzir would be skill. Malachasatzir means more almost like the, like the, like almost like uh, no, there's a word for it. Uh, the chush and there's a chush and there's. Um. 
What's the two expressions by, by Negina? They say the Chusha Negina and the... Avram, you remember? You say someone has a Chusha Negina, that's that he has a sense and that people actually sing well. Um, on Hebrew, there's a Chush. I think Malachas is craft. I would say craft. The craft of Tzir, of um, artistry. There's an education and a training required in how to make these lines, how to draw lines, for example. And similarly. Besides the intelligence in the actual image, the actual artistry, in the product that you produce, that comes from him, from the artist, because even someone who has the chush, meaning he has the skill. Chush is probably more here, talent. Right, talent, exactly. That's why I didn't want to use chush before. Because it's not that Malochas Hatzir is actually someone who knows how to do it, knows the, knows the technique. See, there's a technique involved and then there's a talent involved. Some people have technique and don't have so much talent. Some people have talent don't have so much technique. So he's saying, so may have the chush b'tzir, tzorich limit b'zeh. Still needs education. There are people who are natural musicians, for example, or natural artists. They still need to be trained. Okay, so he's talking here. In other words, not just the the intelligence in creating art, but in the actual skill that you train your fingers, you train your 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 tools, your instruments to draw something. And in this, there's going to say two things, like he said before. And this, there's a shorus ha-seichel, there's the seichel that prepares itself. That shorus um, ha is more like the preparation that a teacher does. Prepares how exactly should be the movement of the fingers, of the arm, the hand. And there also has to be a preparation in the keyech in the end itself, in the movement. It should move according to the uh, to the to the way the mind hashada, the way the mind envisions it or plans it, the strategy. Let me explain the difference. For example, when you train somebody, let's say, in any in any type of skill, there's two elements here. You'll see a good teacher will teach somebody and say, "Here's how we draw," and they'll give. They'll give you all kinds of, um, you know, the, the mind will prepare and say, here's how you have to set your mind, here's how to, so and so. But then there's another thing. There's actually, the, the, the body itself has to prepare itself. For example, in, in sports. You can train somebody in all kinds of technique, but they need to do conditioning. They need their body to be ready to, to do what what's being trained to do. So if a person is trained all the techniques and is not exercising... And one day, they say, you know what, time to, 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 to perform. So he may have, have all the techniques figured out, but his own body is not going to hold up. So the containers too need a conditioning. You know, it's even what you eat. How, you know, how you move your fingers, and so on and so forth. So there's really two things. One is training someone a technique. The technique that is coming from so-called the mind. 
And then there's the how the how the, the body or that part of the body that's being used here prepares itself to do so. The Kolzat Sarakh Shiazman, all this takes time. The Imun Yodov, Vilagilus, here he spells it out specifically. The Imun Yodov and the conditioning and the working out work out of his hands, Vilagilus, and his habits. See, that's an example, for example. Technique, the teacher will say, here's, here's how you draw. The mind will tell you, this is how you draw. But now, go and do your homework. Now you have to do it again and again and again and again. Why is it not enough that the mind told you what to do? Because your container is not used to it yet. That's what he's out of it, a gilus. So you need to actually, uh, the, the repetition is a critical uh, component in this. Take how we teach children how to write. So the first thing is you take, let's say you do an A, so they have these lined, these lined pages. You say, okay, let's make an olive. An olive is this. Make sure it don't go below the line. You look at children's first olives, they're very uh, awkward. And then we, we teach you how to draw. That's the seichel is telling you how exactly to draw it. How you use your fingers when you do here. Like they'll even say, build a house. Make it like this, like that, like that. But then you say to the child, now start writing, make a hundred olives, a thousand olives. So now what's happening is, after there's the general technique, the container itself has to now train itself to continue doing what it was just taught. Keep repeating, doing this again and again, and slowly it becomes a perfect olive, or a perfect letter, or a perfect image. All this takes time. Okay, the way he's been explaining it now is pretty, sim- pretty simple, actually, because this, of course, is not immediate. It's not the mind telling your finger to move. But nevertheless, we still have to figure out what our desire. We'll soon get to that. Fine. And now he's going more generally. And like when every every transmitter and recipient, every giver and taker, every teacher and student. But Mashpia Makabal is even broader than teacher and student, not just Rav and Talmud. Because obviously it fits more to the to the context here, which is Er and Kaili. Energy container. There has to be, the mashpia has to, looking for the right word, when a teacher sits and prepares how to convey an idea to a particular student or a group of students, he's not just, he's doing something, he's taking his intelligence and saying, how am I going to communicate it? That's what hashara is. I'm trying to find the English word for it. Assess. Assess is a good word, yeah. Assess is a good word. To assess. Before I said envision by Hashara Atme Bekeach. But here it's assess. Okay. To assess how exactly how to transmit that it should be commensurate to the recipient. And then comes step two. And then there needs to be a preparation of the recipient so he should be able to receive the Seichel. Here it's very, very clear the two. You see, in the other one, you need a little explanation because it's all within one body. But here it's very clear. A teacher can assess and perfectly understand what needs to be said to the student, but if the student is not ready to receive, you only have half the story. So you need two things going on here. The air has to prepare to enter the keli, and the keli has to be prepared to receive. And the same thing the other way around. If the student is prepared, then the teacher has not measured it. Measure is also a word. Measure, assess and measure. And also this, 
Uh, he's going really in, into the details. Even this second thing that the student, the recipient is preparing, also that is taught to him by the mashpia. The transmitter is teaching, is educating, training the recipient how to receive a, uh, an intelligent idea. In Yiddish, in Yiddish definitely adds a whole dimension. How to... So teaching is not just teaching ideas, it's also teaching how to receive an idea. Why is this important? Because it's important because he doesn't want to say, listen, the contain, it's, it's not like the fingers have their own intelligence where they suddenly decide this is how they're preparing to receive the intelligence. The mind has two parts to it. The mind teaches the, the body technique and also teaches the body, trains it to repeat and create a habit that it should be able to do it as well. So all this is coming from the root. And that's where it takes time. Because if you start saying that the student on his own is doing all of this. You can say, of course that takes time. That comes from outside sort of place. It's like the student has to travel to, the, to go study. We're not talking about that. We're talking about everything in the transmission itself makes, takes time because there's two elements of the transmission. One is how to, to, to transmit properly and to treat, ta- train the recipient to receive properly. And this, there's also an order. An orderly gradation, an orderly say an orderly structure. First, First, he teaches him a so-called lower seichel, lower intelligence in level, meaning in degree. And then travels upward from the lower to the higher. So he's going even to more detail of how the process, how Eprimi works. As he's going to say, all this doesn't exist by Rotson and Makif. So he's been now going into more detail. And same thing, the maturity and the growth of a person and his intelligence and his emotions that comes, from, that, that comes, comes through the years. So in other words, we're supposed to grow not just intelligence, but also emotionally. You understand? Not, most people don't do that. Emotional intelligence... I know many people are brilliant, 30, 40 years old in, intel- in cognitive intelligence and five-year-old in emotional intelligence. Meaning, the Pesach says, the days speak, and with many years, you reach intelligence, so clearly you see, in other words, he's bringing a proof that's the problem. bringing proof that you have to grow, huh? Yabiu chachma. Yeah, not I said yabiu chachma, which means like it flows. Yabiu like an avia. Yabiu. Yeah, that brings out. Yeah, that draws out. So, so we see. Okay. The ultimate maturity. Meaning, we're talking about maturity of growth, actual growth, is when you reach 20 years old. Kenoida, as it's known, because that's when Moichim the Godless enters. That's when a child is Yerush Benichse Ovov, that's when he can inherit the property of his father. Because Moichim the Godless, it says in the that's when a maturity settles in. 
We see this by the age 20 approximately is when a certain maturity settles in. The brain stops at that point stops developing, which is by, which is, um, this is medically so as well. And the same thing with the transmission of intelligence into emotions, to make the emotions grow, to mature the emotions, also comes over the years, over expanse of years. Expansive years. And the same thing is every transmission of seichel takes time. Dafke. Specifically, explicitly takes time. And also the extension, the transmission of intelligence comes in a order, in an organized order, as the, as the faculties manifest one another. This he discussed a lot earlier. So besides that the seichel itself has to take time for it to manifest in every particular um, part of the, the other the, in the midst and emotions and the other faculties. Also now they, the way they all interact with each other. The seichel has to now travel through, maiva means passing through the emotions. In other words, if you just have intelligence and you don't have a feeling for it, you may not do it. So Yirtzeh, even though he's using the words Yirtzeh, Rotzen, he means emotional, he means. That you have to have an inclination to transmit, or you need an inclination, that you should have some attachment, some connection to the thing that you want to create. The thing that needs to be done here, like it says elsewhere. And even though intelligence here is only maiver, because the brain is where, the mind is where you're really conceiving ideas. When it's going through emotion, it's only, it's only passing through. It's not a full manifestation. It's still, at the end of the day, some form of manifestation. Because specifically like this, in other words, you have to have a feeling for it, can be the manifestation of the intelligence in a lower faculty. That means that it's not just, when you say passing through, it's not just like a tourist passing through. It's, this, it's interacting with the faculty, which again makes it take time. So all this demonstrates in many ways how the transmission of faculties is something that is because it manifests, because something is bislapsus, if something needs to have a relationship, you could say this is the rule. Relationship requires time. As anyone who's married knows. Requires time. Why? Because you're not talking about two passing trains or passing ships in the night. You're talking about a relationship. Two people have to communicate, have to interact. Here, Mashpia Makabal. Or the relationship of the mind training a body to, to be to art. There's a relationship going on. Relationship means there's a hislapsus. There's a commitment. There's an investment, and therefore a um, a a one of you another word for slapshus a, a commitment a you know not just extending yourself. You're not just shining. You're relating to and you're interacting with, and you're internalizing. It's an eternal thing. So when you have to settle into something and have a relationship that's a settling commitment relationship, that takes time. 
Now we're going to say how desire is completely not like that. A partnership, fine. Symbiosis. Symbiosis. Mashain kimbarach and shaini tali b'meshach hashanim. Mashain on the other hand, desire is not, so it's not dependent on any years. Heim bagdolase ba'atzmei. Both in its own growth, in its own maturity. And, 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 and also in its transmission into the other faculties. Desire you have immediately and it's not dependent on any years. A child has a desire, adults have desires. So he's saying a few things. Before he said that doesn't take time for the desire to affect the body. You desire something, immediately that part of the body reacts. Because you're not talking about training, you're not talking about learning, you're not talking about educating, there's no partnership, there's no relationship. But he's also saying, just like the, the, by the faculties, it needs growth. It takes years. Over the years you grow. In desire, desires don't grow, don't become stronger, they become less. A desire is a desire, so it's not dependent on years. When a baby has a desire for milk, or or something else, it just lets you know. The only difference between adults and children is that what do we desire? So adults have mature desires, hopefully. But the actual desire is not something that comes with maturity. You don't train somebody to desire things. Desire is a natural extension of the soul wanting something. Soul, des- soul desiring something. Ukushayigdal. <laughs> And you get and we get older when you mature. And he's asking, so to speak, not asking, he's saying, and when you grow older, and this desire gets concealed, which means you don't just follow your complete desires and do whatever you like. That's because your other faculties, the internal faculties, the imminent faculties, have now become revealed. The as you become a more mature person, and your and your develop and your keches, your faculties develop, and antfiklanzach, they develop and they become more revealed. The so-called transcendent faculties, the ones that are more, um, let's call it just driven by drives, the drives become more concealed. I don't know if drives is the correct word. What does it mean? He's saying the fact that, that, let's say, you know, like a baby, it desires something, there's no stopping it. It desires, it cries, and that's it. There's no uh, no control. There's no control. So, So he says, but he's saying the changes that come, that a person doesn't just follow their desires. The Ratzin is because other faculties have developed, so now you have so-called a balance in your life. When you so there's it, developed faculties. When, we, when we're using the word Ratzon, are we, are we mean from it's always a high level and then somehow it becomes perverted, this and that down with the group. And then just, yeah, Ratzon here just means purely desire of desire. Another, but, but it can be a desire for God, it can be a desire for a taiva. Uh-huh. So you're taking a low level of Ratzon. So already this could be a problem. I know, but a high low. We talked about this yesterday. To this chapter, it's irrelevant completely okay. because he's not talking about it. All that's relevant here is whatever the soul desires, the way desire works. Okay. If it's a desire... Now, obviously, you know, 
Remember, the key thing you have to remember here is we're not talking about how desire affects the faculties. For example, if a person desires godliness and then goes to sit down to learn chassidus and the daven, there you have already, that's going to take time. That's also training. It's not because you're not talking about the desire, you're talking about the faculties. If a person desires, let's say, something that is inappropriate, you know, some taiva, shalheter, or isra, God forbid, so that too, you're already engaging your faculties. We're just talking about one thing, is when, how desire works. That the, the, like you said in the previous chapter, desire disappears, everything disappears. Once the soul no longer desires, there's nothing left of the desire. And, uh, and something's left, it means the desire is still there. So that's not... And the, what he's saying here is that this desire doesn't take, require any time. And there's no development in it. There's no development in desire. See, Kreich is premium because their relationship, a relationship takes time to develop. Rutzen doesn't have a relationship. Rutzen is like a commander. It just tells you what to do, and that's it. It's over with. And so this Rutzen could be anything. It can be the Rutzen of Gdusha, where you, you, know, you say to yourself, do something, that's because it's right. You desire something, you desire... Or it's a desire the Shtuz the Gdusha, you know, where the, or Shtuz the Klippa, where you desire something that's inappropriate. He's not elaborating so much about this concealment of the Zotzen, but what it does say, I'm, and I have to look really what he's referring to, sometimes it says, well, let's not go there right now. What I was going to say was the following, that the bottom line is, that once that a person develops into a mature adult, so nothing's changed in desire. The only thing is, it may be not so uh, manifest, so it's more concealed. But it's not like the desire has matured. What he's saying is that even when they develop and you're not acting, and you're not, the rotsin is not the dominating thing in your life, that's only because the other faculties, so to speak, are more in control. So therefore, they, they, they uh, temper, so to speak, the desires of the soul for manifesting. He actually calls Mesalma Kechis Atmin, Shena Kechis Makifim. Right. The essential faculties, which are transcendent faculties. Excuse me? I wouldn't use fundamental here. Upaula Sarotsnu take of Miyad, Belishum Shia's Man Klau. And the effect of Rotsun is immediate. Without any span of time at all. And does not come to any order or structure in the Shtalshus and uh, gradations, like he said before about Seichel and about Midis and about the faculties. And all this is because all the faculties are imminent faculties, internalized faculties, integrated faculties. Because they are manifest in containers specifically, explicitly. And also the way they function and their and their and their and their and their actions are also manifest internally. So said, like you said, it's invested in and internalized. And that's why, see now he's adding a little line here that he didn't say before. That's why the revelation and the, of, the, of, the, of the expression of the, of the faculty is dependent on the growth of the container. So there we go again, maturity in another way. 
that the growth of the container. So you can't force it. The container has to grow to be able to receive the epinimi. So he's elaborating. Let's say when you talk about children. You cannot give them all of it because they're not yet ready. The relationship is not there. So you have to give it to them on their level. And you have to wait. This takes time. And that development happens over a span of time. Meshach HaYom over a span of days. Days meaning here time. The Yom Yudabru. Days speak. So that's so. In other words, well, there's two ways that he's express he's explaining how time is necessary. One is the time that it takes simply for the relationship to build, the time that it takes for the keli, the container, to be prepared, and for the teacher to transmit. And then there's the other thing that he began with: the time it takes when the actual transmission itself takes time. Like he said, that by Rotson, it's immediate. And here, so there's really two times that he's talking about in this chapter. One is the time of training and the growth and so on. And the other one is actually, like he says now, And this is also why when it affects the other faculties, it needs to take time. The preparation... The assessment and the preparation of the container we spoke of. Because it's an epinimi. So in other words, even with adults, we need talking even adults also need time in the in, in both the, in the assessment and the preparation. And then there's a the time that in general over the whole lifespan of a person needs the time to grow and to develop where Kaylee come to meet each other. Now in a parenthesis, because also the okay, he's explaining this, because also the faculty, as it stands on its own in its own place, also needs assessment and preparation. Which means the preparation of the container and its growth and maturity over the span of years, the gamay dakusa. And also its quality and its subtlety. Like for example, when we speak about the chemer the, the, the stuff of the brain, brain matter. When it's more subtle, more edel, more uh, refined, it's also a much better container. If you recall in the early chapters, I think in chapter 2 or 3, 3 maybe, he spoke about this. Like for that, when you eat certain foods, that are very thick and oily and, and, and greasy foods, actually makes your brain stuffed up. Whereas certain foods actually are more refined and make your mind physically more conducive for ideas. Yeah. What? What about uh, uh, ribs? You know, spirit that you need to eat with your, you know. There's definitely certain foods that you don't just jump from there into iron base. Let's put it this way. That's why it's good to learn in the morning before your skull has gotten too thick. Actually, Alter Rebbe said that I had a big debate yesterday. Alter Rebbe said it's better to learn at night. Because Zelixer was telling me. There's no black and white. It says sometimes, that the whole night is created in order to study because it's more conducive because it's quieter. But uh, nevertheless, Shiyuri Teda and everything is in the morning. Why? Because in the morning, it says, it's, 
no, it's, maybe it's not a contradiction. Each has their own Laila. Like sometimes it says Chatzois Laila has its thing. But Slichas we say when there's a Chutzal Chesed in the morning, there's a certain Chesed coming that allows. Some people who wake up very early say it's the, most, it's the best time for the mind to work. Some people are night people. But, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a black and white uh, thing on this. Generally speaking, there's no black and white. You sort of said it in a black and white way. Okay, well, those that are more in, entrained in the subtleties of uh, these matters wouldn't say it that way. I said yesterday, context is more important than facts. And the proof for that is when the Rambam writes his Rambam, he says, you know, the Kloli HaRambam is that the Rambam relies on what he said earlier. That's why when Rambam says something, he relied that you had already learned earlier what he had written, so he relies on that. He doesn't have to repeat. That's not just a nice little thought. Think about it. It means context. If someone's just going to pick out a line from somewhere and say, ah, I got it. They don't know context. Not only could it be wrong, it can be absolutely opposite of what the Kavon is. Everything is context. This doesn't mean you need to know, you have to also know what it says. But it's, context is critical. And without context, you know, it's the difference between a real master and a, uh, and a novice. The context. I was telling Yeshchaski yesterday about Mashiach. Mashiach, you know, people talk, they quote things and so on. But context, how many people talk context that can tell you the picture? You know, there is, you bring one sikha from the Rebbe. Tell me all the sikhas of the Rebbe. Not all in one line, but I mean in context. The Rebbe could not have contradicted himself. He also relied on what he said earlier. So, and this context means, you know, there's a certain style, there's an approach to things. So sometimes it may not say it, but it just... And I don't mean intuition before you study. I'm talking about the intuition that comes. Why do, you go to someone who's an expert. Someone just told me they went, they had a problem with their shoulder. They went to all kinds of people. Then someone said, you got to go to this and this doctor. They went to this doctor. Within three seconds, he knew. Not because he's a genius. He has that experience. And he's, there's something that when it comes accumulation, a combination of, of, of knowledge and years of experience, you can just trust certain people. They're certain experts. Not everyone can make mistakes. I mean, he's saying here, how Mashpid trains a student not just to receive. What does he say? He says, even how to receive. It's not so simple. There's a, there's a, there's a method. Methodology of the Rebbe, I don't know how many people really know well. Methodology is a whole different thing than just facts. That the Rebbe said this, the Rebbe said that. Methodology is already, you know, mashpim who are mashpim should know methodology besides facts. Too many know facts, they don't know methodology. Methodology means how the Rebbe responded to different people in different ways. The subtlety, there's no strength as black and white. You know, take a thing and say, oh, it says this in halacha, that's what you got to do. Not so simple with the situation. We're not talking about a kosher chicken. We're talking about emotional matters. Shalom bias issues is very critical. This I see so many mistakes made. I see disaster happening. Advice given based on what it says, but not based on a human understanding of a human being. This is the fifth shulchan aruch. That's why I'm saying this. Huh? That's context. Hundred percent. It's context. Two girls came to me. I was teaching a Rifka. They were both going to sem- They were both wanted to go. To- they were both offered to go to seminary in Australia. Okay, friends, twelfth graders, and one of them, the Rebbe said, gave a bracha to go. The other one, the Rebbe said, she should ask her parents. So they came to me. They wanted to know if I could explain to them the kabbalistic or the spiritual reasons why the Rebbe said this to this and this one. Why? And it was like their soul had two different trajectories. That's what you would think, right? So that's what someone would say. You know, the Rebbe, the same question. 
different answers. So I said, do you mind if I see what you wrote to the Rebbe? You see what they wrote to the Rebbe, and everything is clear, it's not very Kabbalistic. One girl wrote to the Rebbe, she's, she's been given the offer to go to Australia Seminary. She's excited about the opportunity to go to a new place, to do the Rebbe Shlichus, to meet new people, to bring Chassidus and Yiddishkeit to people, and so on. The other girl wrote to the Rebbe that she has the invitation to go to Australia, but it's a different language, it's a different country. She's not going to see her mother and her father for, for, for a while. Basically, she needs her teddy bears. And she doesn't know this. So you don't even need a Rebbe to know the answer. So the Rebbe answered to this one, go brachavatzlach. And this one, go ask your parents. Because that's what, she, you know, it's clear. Instead, so someone can take the hero, the answer of the Rebbe and say, no, the Rebbe is Aruach HaKedosh. He knew she belongs there and this one doesn't belong. It's just a small story, but it's hundreds, hundreds, context, big context things. Common sense is not so common as they say. This, this is parentheses now. Let's go back to parentheses now. So now speaking that the faculty itself. Well, let me finish it. So also the Kayach in its place. In other words, we're not just talking about the, the Mashpia. The faculty needs to have a preparation over the years. And also its uh, quality and its subtlety, its uh, refinement. As the mind gets more refined, it be, it's, it's more of a container. And same thing, the seichel, the power of the faculty of intelligence, needs to have hashara, an assessment, um, to radiate and manifest in a form primi And even more so, that this is the way when the faculty, this faculty, like the faculty of intelligence, manifests in the other faculties. Okay? Basically, going a little more detail into what the preparations assessments are. So there's an assessment of, uh, of each faculty. There's the assessment of the mashpia to manifest. And then there's the assessment as they manifest within one another. Like he spoke before, it's that they all need to be connected to one another. Yeah? What's your question? I'm just contextual. But uh, since you're just saying it's a deeper detail, than what's going so on, that's fine. I didn't see the real I also, you have to read it a few times. I have to see, he's, he's definitely breaking down some details. I'm just thinking exactly one second. It was right before the presentation of Bukhinis Er Pnimi. He's just filling in, I believe, some of the details. And especially, what he's, I think he's adding that he didn't say was that the con- container itself needs to prepare. In other words, like, needs to eat the right foods or something like I mentioned. Uh, it needs to be more subtle and stuff like that. That's beyond what the teacher trains it to do. I mean, he, he hinted to it before. Just meet, I don't know if there's something here that I would say... I have to go over it again. But it's more details than this. And this is also the reason, the cause, that the faculties, the inner faculties, the eminent internalized faculties have to go with an order and a structure, a hierarchy. Because only specifically through manifesting that manifesting is the diminishing and the Containment that happens each level to level. 
So now he's adding something. That the relationship that's in a form of manifestation requires that, that each of them diminish a part of themselves to fit to each other. That's called negotiation. It's called discussion. There's a dialogue going on between two entities. So he's saying, So this also explains why it comes in a state of Hadraga, this whole thing, the maturity and the time and the growth, and the, the because there's a relationship that it has to manifest in it. That's why it goes level, because it has to manifest. So in order to manifest in a level below it, it needs, it's an order. Desire, however, is not an internal faculty. It's a essential faculty, a fundamental faculty. Atzmi here meaning that it's one with the etzim, like you said, the color of an object, the, the, this glow on the face. Its entire role is to reflect its source. The Hainu is galas anefesh. That's why it's called atzmi. So er atzmi. So you'd say the other ones are er pnimi. The type of reflection of, meaning they're already a step away from the source. It's an instrument of the source, as we spoke. It's an instrument of the soul, the intelligence. Ratzon, however, is closer. Ratzon is like the glow of the soul. Think of it of the soul's disgalus on nefesh. This is how the nefesh is revealing itself. Because it does not come in a manifested way in itself and in its function. Like you said, it's both within itself it's manifest. And the way it functions, it manifests. In other words, the way it prepares itself and the way it also affects others. And that's why it affects all the, uh, all the organs and faculties equally. Without any span of time. Without any... Which means what? Without any delay. Without any delay. Time span. Here's the summary. And this is what means that the, all the faculties come and manifest in containers. And that's where their growth and maturity depends on the years. Is tied into, is connect, is uh, takes years. And when a higher faculty manifests in a lower one, it takes time. The assessment, the assessment of the faculty, that is being transmitted, and the preparation of the recipients. And this is the training and the education. Like a mashpia, transmits. And it comes, and these faculties come in a form of seder and hadrog, in an orderly, structured, and systematic way. It's avlarots and enotali b'shanim. Desire is not dependent on years. And manifests in all the faculties without any delay, without any span of time. And without any order and structure, organized structure. Because it's not manifested in a container. Okay. We did chapter 50, page 80, page 88 and 89, in Hemshech Ayin Beis, volume 1.